right. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a very special Sports Injury Central Pro Football Doc podcast. Special for a couple of reasons. Number one, our special guest. And number two, as we kick off the college football season, which is the first time that six, six score and we're covering college with the addition of other physicians and orthopedists. So let's welcome to the show, Mr. Clay Travis, who probably needs no introduction, uh, founded OutKick and has been a friend of mine and had me work with him for a little bit here. And he is also, I'll tell you something people may not know about you. They know you're Mr. College Football and SEC, but do people know that you have a Heisman Trophy in your family room? <laughs> we had it for only a little while. Uh, yes, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, Tim Tebow's Heisman Trophy, Tebow uh, auctions it off every year for charity. Uh, and if you bid on that, it goes to a, a great cause, the Brett Boyer Foundation, which raises money for pediatric heart-related conditions. Then uh, you get the prize of having the Heisman Trophy in your house. And so in my uh, foyer, I have had the Heisman Trophy for uh, for much of the uh, the past year plus um, sitting there. So it's pretty, uh, it's pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie, everybody. It's quite the uh, attention grabber. There aren't a lot of those, uh, let's be honest, out and about. So uh, to walk in and get to see a Heisman Trophy uh, is, uh, is a pretty cool experience. And, and not anyone's Heisman Trophy, right? I mean, that's, yes. that's a pretty cool one. One of the I most have. iconic college football players of the last uh, couple of generations, to be sure, uh, Tim Tebow. So how is it that you got outbid this year for the Heisman uh, well, the, it's a year long. They were going to re-auction it up in uh, October, and uh, I got it for oh, half okay. the year, and the, uh, the other guy got it for okay. half the year. So uh, it's they just took it out of the house here uh, probably a month ago or so. Um, and then a guy uh, the in white, guy in white gloves and the whole deal? Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was uh, well protected. I think now it's back down in, uh, in Florida somewhere else. But, yeah, it's very cool. Um, to have. And certainly it's uh, Tebow just uh, has raised no telling how much money I, I would bet probably over a million dollars by having his Heisman Trophy, uh, you know, kind of moving around the country in that way. Oh, I thought that was very cool. Very cool of you guys to donate for it too. So SEC football, football season, your road trips on the bus, et cetera. Do they kick off week zero or week one? I will actually kick off um, – well, I'll be on the road for the opening Thursday night. OutKick is doing, uh, I believe, a show from Knoxville for the Tennessee uh, home opener against Ball State. Um, but I will be with the Big Noon kickoff crew uh, in Austin, Texas, for Alabama, Texas on September the 10th. Uh, Big Noon, 10 to noon Eastern. Uh, and it will lead directly into that Alabama-Texas game, which should be – quite the preview for for Alabama and Texas. I'm sure what is going to be many uh, contests in the years ahead when Texas joins officially the SEC. Um, and there are uh, a lot of moving parts there, obviously. But then I'll be on the road uh, through the SEC championship game the first weekend of December doing uh, college football hits for a big new kickoff. Awesome. Awesome. Good road trips. Uh, I've been, I've only been to a couple SEC games. They're different, right? I mean, my daughter went to yeah, South Carolina. I've been to all 14 to... stadiums. I mean, I love college football. It's my, uh, my favorite sport out there. I just love the pomp, the circumstance, the pageantry. I wrote my first book about it. And, uh, you know, every now and then you have to pinch yourself when you think 
hey, I can't believe my job is to be in a college town for a big time game uh, and uh, and get to preview and have fun with something that uh, that so many people, myself included, uh, love and, uh, and and love sharing not only with themselves, but the thing I love about college football is how multi-generational it is. Uh, there's not, it's not uncommon to have three generations of people out tailgating, you know, grandpa, uh, uh, son and grandson. Uh, and, uh, that's a pretty cool experience. No, no question. And, and for us, this is going to be our first year officially tackling college football and injuries and injury assessments. We've stayed away before clay because partly, um, you know, I wasn't sure about, you know, analyzing someone's son or daughter or whatever in college. But now with NIL, I mean, they're basically professionals. So I think it's fair game, especially at the the bigger schools where they're making bigger NIL money. And it'll be interesting for us because there is less information on college football. There isn't the injury oh, yeah. reporting and, and so forth for privacy. But if there's good video of an injury, that's what we do. So we're really looking forward to uh, the challenge this year as our first year. Well, you do a fantastic job of it. And I think you hit on a key detail that certainly has been much discussed as gambling has moved across the country, which is the lack of standardization as it applies to health and well-being of college players, as opposed to the NFL or the NBA or the NHL, uh, certainly pro sports leagues, which have long had established injury reports that exist across all different, uh, all different uh, teams and all different leagues. And that doesn't happen right now in college football. So it's one of many challenges. And this is sort of the regional nature, I would say, of college football in general, uh, where not only are you having to deal with the lack of standardization as it applies to injury issues, but NIL, right? I mean, you're in California. The rules for even high school players in California are substantially different than they might be in Michigan or New York or Florida or any other state where there's lots of different uh, players that are having to consider what schools they may go to. So uh, college football is really, I would say, in the midst of a seismic paradigm shift in terms of how exactly the rules and regulations are going to be applied in the years ahead and what it's going to do to the overall competitive landscape. No question. I'm here in San Diego and San Diego State, the Aztecs, first year in their new stadium, Built just for them, Snapdragon Stadium, 40,000, you know, no more Qualcomm uh, Stadium for the Chargers used to play. And that's great. But my worry now is for a San Diego State, uh, Marshall Falk, if they had another Marshall Falk, what would happen? He'd have some success. He'd go transfer portal and NIL to one of the bigger schools. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, it's going right. to really hurt the smaller schools. Yeah, I think like the no way you what, think what you, you do to recruit, it, if you you're can't a smaller win. school, is potentially you have to do to schools smaller than you what schools bigger than you are doing, right? So San Diego yeah. State might have more to offer than, and I, you know, Eastern Michigan, right? Or, uh, or uh, I don't even want to throw schools under the bus here, right? Like trying to overall segment <laughs> them. But I think, you know, I mean, that's kind of what the NFL does, right? They've been able to identify talent no matter where that talent is. Same thing NBA even. Uh, what you will see, I think, is a stratification there where players with elite level talent that might have been under recruited go to a bigger program and players that those mid-school programs might have missed on come from the lower school program. So I do think if I'm San Diego State, uh, I might stink to have a first round draft pick, like your point on Marshall Falk, 
maybe he ends up at USC more rapidly than he otherwise would have. Uh, but there may be somebody in a community college or somebody who went to D2 that they look at their performance and say, why in the world is this guy not playing for San Diego State? So what it's going to require is that coaches become much more like GMs and they're going to have to keep their head on a swivel. It also means whenever you make the decision and a recruit picks against you, you still want to keep in good relationship with him because that recruit may well end up in the transfer portal in a year. And if you weren't pick one, in the long run, being pick two may be just as important because you might finish your career there in a way I don't know that necessarily existed in the past. So if you're the nice guy and you don't finish first, maybe you do end up finishing first in the long run there in terms of that relationship. Yeah, it becomes more about relationships. And you're right. I mean, uh, just cherry picking. And it's not just the Marshall Fox. Rashad Penny, a recent first round pick, you know, would have probably have gone on from San Diego State. Who who knows? It's it's interesting. And and obviously, as you talk about transitions, I look at it, okay, of course, a big story, UCLA and USC, in theory, going to the Pac-10, or sorry, Big Ten. That's a heck of a lot of travel. I mean, look, we often talk about in the NFL when the travel is, quote, first class, and yeah. San Diego Chargers going across country, most travel. Seattle Seahawks always have that problem in terms of, look, I've had one coach once who's two decades in the NFL and said he never, ever had taken a three-day road trip before in the NFL. And in San Diego, we used to take it four trips a year that were th three time zones, three-day trips. And it's different for college kids. Yeah, look, ways, I, I hope that as part of USC and UCLA joining – from a gambling perspective, this is one of the things that definitely gets a lot of attention is you travel all the way across the country. Sometimes these guys get thrown into these noon Eastern kicks, which is 9 a.m. on the West Coast. Your body clock is thinking it's 6 a.m. when you're waking up, uh, you know, starting to get taped at the stadium. And sometimes these West Coast teams don't really seem to wake up from body clock perspective until we actually get into the second half of some of these games. So I hope that the Big Ten is going to be far better at ensuring that if they're bringing teams like USC and uh, and uh, and UCLA all the way across the country to play against Maryland or Penn State or, uh, or Rutgers or something like that, that they are going to at least make those games kick, you know, at 3.30 Eastern, something like that, as opposed to having uh, a, a super early kickoff, um, which I think obviously would be much to the detriment of the West Coast team traveling east. As we as we look back, this is a big year for college football, right? A lot of changes. In the end, what will have a bigger effect on college football? NIL or conference realignment? NIL. I think NIL because it impacts everyone. Look, I, I think conference realignment is going to be a big deal. It already is. The SEC and the Big Ten have cemented themselves as two brands that have a substantial amount of gap between themselves and everybody else, whether it's the Big 12, whether it's uh, – uh, whether it's the ACC, whether it's what remains of the Pac-12. But NIL offers just a shift the likes of which we've we've never really seen. We've seen a lot of conference realignment, right? Nebraska is now in the Big Ten. Uh, we've seen Colorado head out to uh, to the Pac-12. We got, like I mentioned earlier, Maryland and Rutgers, who I don't think anybody ever thought of as Big Ten schools, are there as well. But to me, the seismic shift is going to be in all players, particularly the elite high-level player, uh, being able to in some way monetize their performance. And that has far more lasting impact also in terms of transfer. Uh, basically, what you've got is college football free agency. 
And I think that's more impactful than, uh, than, than school free agency, which frankly, we've kind of had for a while. I always say the number one rule of conference realignment is nobody's taking less. So it's all about growing the pie. And if your school feels like they can grow the pie, they make that aggressive play. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, any thoughts that you might have on the Nebraska situation where the head coach is talking about 15 to 20 guys throwing up? And then uh, we actually called them out, right, and saying that's not healthy, heat, illness, the whole deal. And then, oh, oh, whoops, I was just kidding about it. Is it worse to kid about something yeah, like that? Or just, is it worse to, to... I, I don't know that it's uncommon. <clears throat> I think that a lot of old school coaches still consider it to be a badge of honor that they push their guys so hard. Uh, that they have to puke, um, and uh, and certainly uh, a lot of athletes out there have experienced that at some form or another playing for a coach. Uh, but uh, I, I think for Scott Frost to say it publicly is stunning to me and just indicative of a fundamental misapprehension about what the world at large is like. First of all, Scott Frost is – not in exactly very strong shape when it comes to the performance that Nebraska has had since he was hired. It's not as if this is Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney that are deciding to opine on how tough their camps are and you've got a bevy of championships behind your back to support you and buttress you in the event that you, uh, that you alienate people. There are a lot of people who've been looking for a reason to fire Scott Frost for a long time. And frankly, I don't think it's a great move uh, to uh, to give them more ammunition uh, based on the results that Nebraska has had uh, thus far from Scott Frost. Yeah, that, that just wasn't uh, a good look there. So usually when we chat, you're doing the interviewing. This is the other way around. So what stories or questions should I be asking? What am I missing this upcoming season in college football or your Titans? You 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 pick. Well, I mean, I would say in college football, something that I haven't heard talked about a lot is – we already know that a lot of guys sit out for the bowl games. What I'm starting to wonder is when is that going to creep? You know, in other words, if your team starts off two and six in conference, right? Uh, or sorry, two and six in the season. And you're looking around, you're like, boy, we're not even playing for a bowl game. We had high level expectations. Ah, peace out. I'm going to go start training for the NFL draft. I think the uh, sort of mercenary nature of college football is going to become more significant. And I'm not saying I blame a lot of these guys uh, because, again, the money that they have at stake and being a first-round draft pick versus risking it for a 3-5, and 2-16, and six team, uh, I do think you're going to start to see more conversations like that happen where making your job a little bit more difficult, maybe a guy's got a little bit of an issue uh, but ordinarily, he would play through it if the team were seven and one and trying to win the conference. But when they're sitting at three and five, he may well say, "Hey, you know what? I don't have that 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 ability, uh, the the necessity to play." I think you'll probably see a little bit of that, um, and uh, maybe not in the way that you would see it in the NFL, where guys have to put their bodies on the line in a way that they don't have to in college. And I think you've seen a lot of guys, uh, you know, frankly, Jamar Chase didn't seem like he missed up, uh, missed very much by sitting out the COVID year. And I think some players decided to sit out the COVID. Micah Parsons, I think, set out for COVID year two, and he seems to have come in and played fine. So I think guys that are, you know, sort of solidified the spot as a first round draft pick and maybe don't believe their team has elite championship level performance or expectations. I think you'll start to see some of those guys either lean a little bit on relatively inconsequential injuries to sit out and or the challenges coming uh, from that. I also think 
somebody's NIL check doesn't clear, uh, they may suddenly have a, a, a sore shoulder, you know, uh, where uh, where they're not playing. And I think that's something that coaches are going to have to uh, are going to have to figure out as sort of the power dynamics get adjusted and college football becomes way more of a finishing ground for professional athletics, given what is at stake now, maybe more so than it has in the past. You make really good points here. First of all, if you remember Nick Bosa, I believe, at Ohio State, mm. had surgery, right. groin surgery, and did not finish the season and still worked out fine in the NFL and has been great. So I think it's already yeah. happening. You make a great point. As far as NIL, I don't believe, you're an attorney, you can correct me, that NIL is tied to performance on the field. You're giving them a check, so if they tap out when you're three and five, you're still getting the NIL money, unless there's something I'm missing contractually, and you could correct me if I'm wrong. Well, there. I think it would depend, you know, like, look, I, I, I fortunately have, have tapped out on the, uh, the practice of law. Uh, I, I now get to talk about things that people uh, hopefully care about more, and certainly I care about more oftentimes in sports. But it would depend on exactly how those deals were structured. But I, I've seen a lot of people talking about that, for instance, with Miles Brennan at LSU, who did a bunch of NIL deals uh, with the uh, uh, with LSU related uh, companies, thinking, oh, he's going to be the starting quarterback. And then he loses out on that job. And, and I think this is something that I've talked about with with other coaches. The challenge going forward for them is in the past, you might have well been able to say, hey, whoever the best man is, we're going to play. Well, what happens if it's a little bit more like the NFL, that first round draft pick, the guy who got a lot of money invested in him gets a lot more chances to fail than the guy who's trying to make the team on the periphery of the roster uh, because there's more money invested in him and coaches don't want to admit that they were wrong. Well, I think that's going to add a level of dynamic difficulty that has not previously existed necessarily in college football. And again, to me, the power dynamics are altered quite a lot where uh, players, given what they're making, same thing in the NFL, like top players make well way more than coaches. And so the idea that a coach controls everything is certainly not true. I think that's going to become more and more commonplace in college football as well, making the management of rosters, the management of playing time, the management of the team overall more akin to professional sports than it is college sports where, you, you know, the, uh, the head coach is kind of judge, jury, executioner, the benevolent dictator of a program. That's not necessarily going to be the case anymore. The other thing that I, I think might happen, tell me if you think this is true or not. I think NIL, the big winner here is actually the NFL. They now have a cemented in AAA squad pro development program okay. in college unlike NBA, which is one and done, or this, that, the other, there, no one's going to talk about the three mandatory years anymore that before you get to the NFL, because you're getting paid, and the NFL's got a free development program right now in, in the college. Yeah, and also they can tell what happens for when guys get paid. You know one of the big challenges with NFL uh, contracts is money usually makes you more of whatever you are. So if you suddenly get into the NFL and you've never had $50 million before, well, are you going to perform and work as hard as you did when you didn't have that money? Uh, and suddenly you're going to have guys in college uh, who are, you know, multimillionaires. I mean, that's not going to be uncommon. I mean, you know, Tennessee's got a quarterback who's a multimillionaire now, theoretically. Miami's got one. Texas has got one with Arch Manning. Um, there are a lot of guys that are going to get tested and see, is it the money that drives you or is it the overall challenge of performance? 
And, uh, and I think probably what's going to happen is NIL is going to blow some guys up because they're going to make, you know, some money and not work as hard and get themselves into trouble that they might not have before. Um, and, and I think for other guys, they're going to come into their maturity at earlier ages and make themselves even less of a risk. Because let's be honest, if uh, let's say uh, Arch Manning makes $10 million, goes out, does all his work, stays out of trouble at Texas, as he well may, well, you're going to be even less risky in terms of drafting him uh, than you might have been before. And that can go for a lot of different players, pro or con. Uh, the money is going to kind of be not the same where you draft a guy in the first round and think, hey, what's his energy and effort level going to be like? You're going to have a pretty good sense because some of these guys who are top players, first round talent, are already probably going to have made some of them a million dollars or more in college. And the other thing that might happen is, let's say you're a second day two or three projected pick. You might be better off staying in college for that fourth year. You might make more money in NIL than you do in the in the slotting of the NFL in the draft. Well, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, I think that's happening in college basketball already because they only have 30 guaranteed first-round picks, and you can use a guy like Oscar Tshibwe, who is at uh, the University of Kentucky, probably a second-round guy, gets drafted uh, if, if he's drafted in the second round, that is. Not a guaranteed contract. Maybe you make a couple million dollars. He's probably going to make as much playing for the University of Kentucky this year, if not more, than he would have made by going into the draft. So you can think about guys in the past. Tim Tebow would have made God knows how much money uh, in NIL. Johnny Manziel, uh, you know, players that have multi years of elite level performance um, and start playing as freshmen would really have an opportunity to bank a lot of money. No question. No question. All right, Clay, I, I wanted to keep your time short here. I know you're on always 17 different shows and things and don't want to take away <laughs> your family or your Braves rooting or whatever. I do think the Titans are loaded for bear with Derrick Henry, by the way. I think he's 100 uh, percent. But anything That's else you exciting. want to add before we sign off here? No, I just, you know, I love college football. I love the NFL. Uh, you do fantastic work. You know, people may or may not know this. I guess I can say it. I've invested invested my own money in your uh, in, in your uh, work and your uh, fantastic uh, things that you're doing uh, with your website. Uh, you've been coming on my show for years when I did sports talk radio. Obviously, now I'm a little bit different of a realm, uh, but uh, the quality of information and data and analysis that you guys give uh, at your website is uh, is absolutely fantastic. Well, let me, let me tell you, I still remember it was the second article I ever wrote for you at Outkick. And thank you for inviting me to join. We met because we you saw Twitter stuff on Marcus Mariota's elbow and you and you reached out through DM. But I still mm -hmm. remember that article. I don't know if you do. The NFL was starting and every during the first year of COVID. They were the first major leagues to get back going again. And there was kind of chaos. And the article we wrote is not political. It's just scientific based. Based on viral load, yeah. believe it or not, blocking and tackling is not high risk, even though it's like, right. I mean, even though there's a grocery store, people not walking by each other. And I, I caught a little flack for that. But to this day, there hasn't been a single player on the field that has been documented, the opposition documented to get COVID in NFL football, American football, rugby worldwide organized and high-level soccer worldwide. That hasn't happened Well, yet. you deserve a lot of credit for that because at the time that you were sharing that opinion, I believe CBS had an article where they said, hey, if you play college football, eight players are going to die um, from COVID. 
and there was this idea, and you well know this too. I mean, that, that it was obviously totally wrong, but there are so many kids out there that you know this, and you've probably known a lot of them in your life, and I certainly have too. Uh, and at times, maybe some of us have even been those kids. If sports didn't exist, a lot of kids wouldn't stay in, uh, wouldn't stay out of trouble in high school for sure. Middle school, like that uh, drive, that interest, that intensity, that commitment, sometimes keeps kids going until the light bulb comes on and they say, "Hey, maybe I'm not going to be a pro athlete, but there's something else that I'm good at." And because I stayed in school, I developed some of those skill sets that otherwise I wouldn't have. And that, to me, was always so important around COVID. Was we can't just shut these doors for these kids. A lot of them need to be around their coaches. A lot of them need to be around their teammates. Uh, and when you looked at the data, uh, you were right. Um, and we argued this certainly. Sports could be played safely even in the COVID era. And thankfully, that's ended up being uh, being true. And, and, and for the record, no one, you or ne- anyone, has never even hinted to me to write a story a certain way. It's just deal with the science and the facts and the realities of analysis. I don't, first of all, I I would hate to, I've never been told what to say or write. And the idea of telling someone what to say or write on any subject defeats the entire purpose of creating the content. So I've never done that. I think the only rule I ever had at OutKick anytime we ever hired anyone uh, was, um, you know, be as honest and fearless as you possibly can. Um, and, uh, I like to think we've done that. Yeah. Well, at least, uh, in retrospect, it worked out at the time there was some slings and arrows about it, but as we've talked about, you don't mind that. I, I try and keep clean of that. I just try and stay above the fray, but it's all, it all works out in the end. I appreciate you, Clay, and you were the perfect guest to have on to kick off our college football coverage week zero this week, week one next week, et cetera. Thank you so much uh, for joining us here on the Sports Injury Central podcast. All right. Welcome back to part two of the Pro Football Doc Sports Injury Central podcast. It's good to talk some uh, college football because we are covering college football this year. And that was a great guest to uh, kick us off there. But let's get to the regular stuff that we do. Jacob's here. Taylor's here. Justin's producing. Uh, where do we go first? What do you got? Let's get our weekly check in, Michael Thomas. I don't think we've talked about him at all. <laughs> I, I think people, a lot of people are wondering, you know, we might as well address it. Uh, so it's funny. I, I'm starting to figure out Twitter. Is a, it's a little bit like Yelp, right? If it's something that you're not happy with, you're screaming out. If you're happy with it, you just let it go. Look, we're not set in stone on any of our six score stuff. We're just giving the first impressions. And yes, I think it's funny that uh, I still still see the reference to Michael Thomas saying, y'all fantasy doctors wrong. Okay. The six score 59 for the season was first issued in May ahead of minicamp. He didn't pass his physical and didn't do anything. I think that was a surprise to everyone but not necessarily a surprise to us because we looked at the video and how he's running and moving. And based on the timeline of almost two years ago for the initial injury, we had our worries that he'd make it for the beginning of the season. Thus, missing some time at the beginning of the season is going to lower his season-long production for draft purposes. So we had him at 59. Since then, he did not start the season passing his physical training camp, but he did pass and then there's all these glowing reports. We got some video, and there's no question he has accelerated his progress from 
when we were looking in May. And he's accelerated to the point where I don't think he's going to miss week one. I think he plays week one. Therefore, our 59 score was too low. That's why we upped it to 77, because I don't think he's missing the first couple of games. I think he's going to be okay. But I still don't think he's 100%. Has his trajectory improved? Absolutely. And if we see more, we might up it from 77. And we'll see what his week one score is. But now he has a hamstring, right? A little hamstring or whatever they're calling it. No video. Injuries beget injuries. Don't know that he's going to practice again. And the interesting point I think you guys brought up is, okay, for the start of camp, he didn't pass his physical. Then he passed and was doing individual drills. And then as soon as he gets some time with Jameis Winston, Jameis Winston hurts his foot. Now Jameis Winston is back and Michael Thomas is out. So that's a potential worry too. So we're at 77 right now, which is not horrible, which means he's doing better. Um, and, you know, let's see if what Michael Thomas says. Maybe we should, maybe I should DM him or, or uh, tweet at him and said, what grade is your hamstring? You think he'll answer? No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> no, he might not answer, but uh, AB answered. Did you he see did. that? He did. <laughs> For guys who don't know, or Justin will show it, we wrote an article saying that there is no way that Antonio Brown is playing this season, even if there's injuries in need. Because if you remember, he had a significant ankle injury. Okay, it wasn't. You know, he could have played through. We've already talked about that, but he wasn't 100%. He's got a big bone spur and edema. To be at his best, he needed that scoped in this offseason with about a three-month recovery timeline. He has not had that surgery. So even if a team could figure out what to do with him and wanted him and wasn't worried about the distraction and had dire need, I don't know that he passes a physical right now with that ankle. So now three months from now, if he had the surgery, okay, maybe. But at this point, I think that ship has sailed, and it was interesting. And we can show it here. But he ended up liking that tweet pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And I went back and looked at all his other tweets he liked and all that. I don't know what that you know thing is. The I dance, can't even do yeah. it. <laughs> don't do it again, yeah. <laughs> uh, only because it's the finger thing. Yeah. That's the only reason I could do it You again. saw his career change entirely is what you saw, right? Well, I looked at it. I mean – if he thought it was playing again, I don't think he likes that tweet. Maybe, but, you know, maybe he just meant the tweet was saved yeah. as opposed to liked. But, sure. uh, and AB is kind of guy who would have come back and said, no, this is not true, right? Mm -hmm. um, he didn't even fight, right? Yeah. So, really, when you come down to it, um, I look at it and say, he liked it. I think he's trying to be an international rap star. I mean, mm -hmm. I think he's moved on. He's moved on, yeah. He's already got a spot at Coachella he did, and, like, he's already doing more than some he's got a lot of lanes. rappers are. Right? He's got a lot of lanes to go into, so he doesn't need to focus on just one. I don't think he's worried anymore. Yeah, and the other thing so. that yeah. I didn't – I saw that uh, he bought some watches or something, and, like, I didn't realize he made $80 million in his career. That's he, a lot. He made a good chunk of change. Yeah. I mean uh, – He's, top top of, he's yeah. top of his game the entire time, I think, right? So Yeah, I mean – the crazy thing is if he kept playing, he would have made another 80. Yeah. <laughs> the way he didn't hit now it is? Yeah, you're yeah. right. That's true. Yeah. Uh, let's let's stick with uh, Antonio Brown's uh, former uh, throwing partner, I guess. Uh, Tom Brady's back with the team, but he's down another lineman. Aaron Stinney with a torn MCL-ACL. 
in game. He said it's a, at least a high grade MCL. Wasn't clear on ACL, but worst case scenario for the Bucks. But yeah, season season is done. Uh, Tom Brady's back. He's but he's down another offensive lineman. What I found most interesting about that, I mean, I felt bad for Stinney Wright. We knew it was a high grade MCL. There was a possibility of an ACL. And that's the other thing in preseason. They don't have as many cameras. They mm-hmm. don't get you as many camera angles. Uh, but the most interesting thing I will call out is within 24 hours, it's released as ACL, MCL season any injury. We still don't know on Ryan Jensen for sure. They have said nothing. That's why I said after the injury, the day after the injury, and they said too much swelling to get an MRI to tell. Mm. They know. Mm-hmm. They just don't want to tell us in the general public, and that's okay. There's no legal requirement for the Bucks to right. say. Maybe Ryan Jensen, for some reason, didn't want it out there. Maybe it was because of a potential trade or a new center signing. Who knows? But it doesn't pass the smell test to say, we don't know. There's too much swelling to get the MRI. They know. They just don't want to tell the world, which is okay. Look at Aaron Stinney. I mean, they told everyone immediately. Well, I think That's, it's a, a big news, too, altogether, because Worse is dealing with an issue. Um, the right guard that they had in the Super Bowl, he retired. Um, now the new center and a new left guard. So that's a lot of turnover on the offensive line for Brady this year. Maybe Brady was doing some speed training when he was gone. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, we talked about this. A <laughs> masked singer. Yes. You believe everything that you say, Taylor. Uh, it was a masked singer. It was Reddit approved, so that means it's true, right? Uh, it was researched <laughs> well enough that I thought about it, maybe. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, I saw Fantasy Life put out a little thing, too. Um, I wish you would – I called you about it. I wish you would have said what you just said now and saying that's, you know, the okay. FBS. You could killed all the rumors. <laughs> yeah. let, let me tell you something. That's why I call you stuff. You're very, you know – Tom you Brady, done. look, I get it. He's got more freedom. Yeah. Okay? He's got more freedom than New England. There's no way in New England he would have been given the break. There's no way in New England he would have been allowed to do the the tweets and memes and all the things that he does – he's very Tom's the goat, but he's very buttoned down. He is not taking 10 days off to do a Hollywood mass singer stuff during the season. That's just a terrible, bad look putting that before football. That's not Tom Brady. Completely ridiculous in my mind. And then tomorrow he's going to debut on the mass singer. Right. <laughs> I know, because they were saying A.B. and Gronk were on it. They both did it in the offseason. Completes the Bucks series yeah. right there. <laughs> I mean... What if he signed the contract before he came back from retirement? And then CBS or whoever, it's Fox, I believe. They didn't They didn't want him to take... Yeah. Well, how well, how well, does he get around that, I guess? What, what channels is, is, is Massinger C- on? CBS. It's CBS or Fox. It's yeah. one of the two. Fox, I believe. Which, Fox it actually is. What, what channel is he uh, going to broadcast for with a future contract? Fox. Fox. So he can't what get out are of the contract? chances <laughs> that someone at Fox for the Mass Singer, it's Fox for sure, guys, the yeah. Mass Singer yeah. is going to risk a long-term relationship with Tom Brady, yeah. even if it were true. That's I like the Fox angle. Fox angle is good. I like that. I mean, yeah. come on, you got to look next level on some of this stuff. Uh, look in San Diego, I get people all the time say, "To that's." terrible like pd and, and he broke his wrist on the motorcycle this team should void his contract the team is not going to void his contract and then people argue with you but they could they have the ability yes they do but they're not going to he's an under market contract right now yeah. at 340 million <laughs> if anything and you don't like him 
get him healthy after the PD and trade him. Yeah. He has value. He's not going, his contract will not be voided. There's just no way. And I don't know. This is kind of what we talk about, right? To me, I don't know the ways of the world in contracting. I don't know Fox contracts. I don't know this, that, the right, other. Right. But you got to peel the onion back a little bit and look at it from all perspectives. Tom Brady contract, it's just a bad luck to sign up for in season. What, they don't film in the off season? I mean, come they, on. They I only mean, film during preseason? Yeah. I mean, on. come on. I mean, and and let me tell you something. I guarantee you, I, I heard some rumors about some trip or Bahamas. Look, bottom line is, whatever he did, I guarantee you he tried to keep paparazzi away. I guarantee you he did something fairly private. Right, and that's why. Otherwise, you don't think your private investigators following him and people with a scoop. And it's got to be. That's why I told you when I first heard this. That's just the most, the biggest nugget of any journalist would be finding out what Tom Brady's and, doing right and, now. And, right? and look, <laughs> I don't know that Tom Brady has his own plane or doesn't, or right. or or his wife. But if he did, I guarantee he didn't take it wherever he was going because you be get tracked on yeah, that. The log, yeah. The, you, you get tracked on that stuff. I, he got one of his other billionaire boys to. to they have a fly private him. jet. They have a private jet together. Them too. Yeah, they do, but uh, would but I don't know that they would use that. Uh, worst case scenario, he'd call up one of his buddies and say, hey, you take my jet wherever you want. Let me have yours, right? I mean, <laughs> he doesn't want to get tracked where he's going. Right. He wants privacy. He's buttoned up. And look, I don't blame him. I don't mean to get sidetracked on mm -hmm. this. You guys got me on a roll today. <laughs> yeah. We got more for you, don't we? It's worry. a good story. It's a good story. Think about this. Yeah. Remember when he got suspended for deflate gate? Remember what year that was? I do. What happened at the end of that season? 16 or 18? 28-3 comeback in the Super Bowl. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah. He missed four weeks of the season. It didn't bother him. That was the year Jimmy G and Jacoby Brissett yep. and the whole deal. Yep. In Houston Super Bowl against Atlanta, came back from 28-3. to I wrote at that time, maybe that's the new fountain of youth. He doesn't play 16 games, now 17. Well, his fountain of youth is, okay, let me get into training camp. Let me get with the boys. And when we really get into the dog days, we already got our installs in. I've been with everybody. I'm going to take a little breather because I deserve it, and I'm 45. Mm -hmm. And look, you guys are single. You'll find out. Here's the thing. This probably was a little of negotiation play. Honey, I think I'm going to play football again. But I'll tell you what. I promise we'll have family time. Here's that, the other. Dual purpose. Who can blame the guy? Uh, more power to him. His his teammates aren't going to care. He's yeah. He's been there, done that. And uh, I say this just to be funny. Not that money is a single problem in their household, but but who wears the pants there financially in that family? Giselle does. <laughs> it, you'd like to think it was him, but it's not. Giselle has been making money for a I, I, long time. I say time. that as a joke, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's the root word of the street. She's worth more. She's worth more. She's right? worth she is. More. She is. It's, yeah. just, it's facts. It's math. So <laughs> whatever. And, and he's got a – who can blame the guy? I mean, yeah, right. I'm not hating on him at all. He probably pre-negotiated this thing, uh, and it's fine. More power to him. He's got the ability to, to do so. But right. mass Singer – uh, I just had to run it by break. you. Sorry. Not yeah. even. I mean, please. <laughs> Since we got you on a roll, we're usually injury analysis, now your rumor analysis. <laughs> Let's go to block analysis. Like Kayvon Thibodeau, he's out three three to four weeks. We said in game, more like three, chance to play week one um, with the MCL sprain, maybe not 100%, but the Giants need him. Um, there's been a lot of chatter on Twitter about the t blocking tight end going low. In, Warren in Sharp specifically called him out about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, look, I've fantasized 
that I know something about rules. <laughs> my my wife was rolling her eyes at me. Uh, I don't watch a lot of preseason football, uh, but was watching the Giants probably to take a look at how horrific their offensive line was. Right. Yeah. I was watching the beginning. Right. Yep. And against the Bengals. And I don't remember the name of the kid, but it was a fourth and one pass uh, over the shoulder wheel route pass. It was called incomplete because he landed out of bounds mm -hmm. and they showed in the replay. I'm like, and the, and the guys are like, Oh, turnover on downs. The thing that let's go to commercial. I'm like, no, that's going to get overturned on challenge. Yep. I, I saw it one time. And my wife's looking at me and I was like, huh, watch this. She goes, like, she looked at me like, do I care? That's preseason <laughs> football. Sure enough, they come back, it's overruled on, yeah. on challenge and, and whatever. But I'm not a rules complete expert. But my understanding is that is potentially dangerous, but it is not currently illegal because it wasn't blindside. Mm -hmm. He was in front of him. Right. He wasn't engaged and it wasn't blindside. Mm -hmm. So, Look, uh, Chris Long said something on Twitter, our podcast guest last week. Yeah. Right. And Chris Long says he's been cut like that before. Right. He doesn't like it. It's not dirty. What you're supposed to do there is when the guy comes at you, you need to make contact with his head and push him down and away from you and make sure you're off your feet so you're not trapped. If he were off his feet, he wouldn't have been injured. And he delivered the blow to him as he came in. He's not going to do it again. Chris Long is taking care of the game within the game. Do I think that's a dangerous block? I think it potentially is, but it's not illegal currently. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think it's illegal. And Rook needed to figure it out. I'm sure someone will tell him. And yeah. one of those guys, like, this is what you do, and they're not going to do it to you again uh, kind of deal. So thankfully, because his knee was bent in what we call an open pack position, it makes it a mild MCL. Now, Internet's funny, right? I actually, because I was watching that game and I actually saw it live happen, immediately go to Twitter. My phone's blown up as I'm looking at the replay and, and so forth. And it was like, oh, season is done. He tore his ACL. His season is done. I'm like, no, his season's not done. And then before we got out the article, right, and we're putting out the article and then the tweet, Oh, he's fine. He's 100%. He's smiling and walking on the sideline. It's always it's one or the other. So, yes. It's, it's, it's over in the yes. middle of that. Yep. Yeah. Reactionary. Yes. Like, hold on. Look, his, his season isn't over, but it's his preseason yeah. is over. I mean, and because he can walk straight doesn't mean he can walk side to side. So it's no guarantee he plays week one. We mm -hmm. have some hope. That's what the reports are saying. It's somewhere between getting lucky and playing week one and probably not IR where he's going to miss three weeks. I think it's missing one or two, zero, one or two is okay. the, is kind of where we're at. It also depends, though, but I'll make you this wager. The first game back, he's on the left defensive end side, healthy outside leg, get around the edge. It's not He's not going to play on the right side his first game back at least. Yeah, he's their starting weak side linebacker, so he rushes on that side. So Yeah, I mean, but the team's yeah, flipped. Yeah, so. around. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you think it's going to slow him down to start the year, rookie? He's a, yes. top, he's a top talent. So, I mean, yes. Yeah. Okay, missing because, time preseason. Well, here's the thing. If you remember, will he be 100% if he plays week one? I don't think so. If you're waiting for it to be 100%, it's a little bit a couple of weeks in the season. So, you know, this is where I talk about injury analytics for scouting. If you know what he can and cannot do, you might be able to better prepare for a couple of moves. Right. 
So I don't know who the Giants play, but they're smart around this league. They they can do that, anticipate what side of the ball they'll be on, et cetera. And let me tell you, uh, I guarantee you, you try and cut block him again, he's going to jump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. gonna, he learned a lesson. He's now. not going <laughs> to hold his ground like he did. I got to give him credit. He tried to take on the block, you know, and, you know, but. Like, which and, Which knee was this? Right knee. Okay, he also had a right knee injury at Oregon too, as well. So that's something. Yeah, he he missed a couple of games on that. And now you tell me after the you know, analysis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, helpful. <laughs> there you uh, go. I always hold back a little, you know. <laughs> I know. I know. So that's and and that's what's been confirmed now, and and uh, so hopefully he'll be okay. But we'll see. But going straight ahead is fine. You're going to see him running a straight line pretty quickly here. Exercise bike side to side is going to be a couple weeks. Right. Um, and he was not going to want to play with a brace, so he's got to get healthy enough to play without a brace on. Well, we're in that time of the year where all the all the in, little injuries are leaking in the season, soft tissue stuff. I mean, yeah, that's the worry. I yeah, mean, I mean, it's almost like if you know you're going to get a hamstring or a soft tissue, can we get it week one of training camp? And you got six weeks before the season. That's what Mike Evans does every year. It works out right, and it dumb in camp. Yeah. Well, I, I seen that about Mike Evans, and I don't know, mean to impugn things, but you know. Uh, Sometimes, you know, a player shows up in training camp and ends up with a simple scope or procedure, and uh, the boys in the locker room will call that a vet move. <laughs> maybe maybe Mike Evans has his own vet move. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> I mean, it's like a thousand yards, seven years in a row or whatever it is, I mean, so it works out. Yeah, he's he's a stud. Two other vets coming up. Maybe he's saying, Tom told me he's taking 10 days. I'm going to take a little time, too. <laughs> I'm not missing too many big reps, yeah. right? I'm not <laughs> not missing catches from uh, Kyle Trask. Um, two, oh, okay. two other vets coming wow, off. Wow, you pub. stabbed Kyle Trask. <laughs> no. Why are you skipping over Blaine Gabbert like that? That's true. <laughs> uh, two other vets coming off pup this week. Uh, David Bakhtiari, we've we've detailed his left knee troubles um, on the website extensively. Any yeah. chance he's ready week one, or what? what is his timeline to be effective? Uh, okay, first of all, you guys know this. I always play the game. People send me videos. Yeah. I'm like... I don't remember between all injuries, which side, which knee went up, but let me look. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, left knee. Yeah. I mean, I mean, <laughs> he, individual drills. Yeah, look, we're still worried. I mean, between the bookends for the Packers, we're still worried. Could he play week one? Of course he could. Will he be 100%? I don't think so. Uh, and I'm not sure he's playing yet week one. But, you know, this is classic – Injury leaked one year into the next and had another knee scope. He's for this whole season, vet knees, limited, limited. Try and get him through games. How well can he play? I don't know yet. Thankfully, it's his outside leg, not his inside strong leg. But right now, as he's limping right there, he better have a pretty fast trajectory or he is not starting week one. And let me tell you, just because in terms of his individual six score and that of the Packers offensive line, we're not touching that right now just because he, quote, passed the physical and is okay for individual period. Not there yet. Hopefully he can get there. I think right now we have him at 81. We might If anything, that's a little high at yeah. this, this mm-hmm. point. I mean, we don't want to be too reactionary, but, you know, and this is – that everyone's getting that 81 was, was done, what, in July ahead of training camp, right. ahead of knowing where he is at PUP. The third procedure is all that. Yeah, yeah it was ahead of all yeah. of that. So. Yeah. I think you could make an argument to lower it at this point in time, but we try not to be too reactionary uh, week to week. 
There's one other one I wanted to mention, then we'll get to the, some baseball stuff. But Logan Thomas came off PUP today, Monday. Um, he's back at practice. That We had him at 56, I think it was. But, I mean, is that is that a tight end that could provide value late? I mean, he's he's the only one at that starting job in Washington, so... Well, as I keep saying, you know, I'm not a fantasy expert, right? And everyone has value at some point. I mean, J.K. Dobbins has value at some point. I know Taylor drafted Michael Thomas in like six leagues he has, so. Logan Thomas has value at some point in time, depending on scoring and when and what you have and, you know, the different situations. And it's a good sign he came off, okay? Um, But – I don't think we're running out and, and switching his six score yet. Let, let's get to full practice. Right now he's in individual period only. It's step one to the process. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, at this point I would be surprised if his opening week one six score were higher than in the 50s, right? I would be surprised, but we'll see. Uh, we can look at the season-long one. I mean, uh, there's, of course, some hope for him, especially later in the season. I wanted to go back just for the Packers real quick. So we do a lot of positional scores, like you said, run, you know, defense, everything. So their offensive line pass score, which is very specific, is 66 point, uh, 67 as uh, rounded up. So that's pretty low for the offensive line that's going into the season, you know, with it the bookends I mean, and stuff. Uh, so. uh, I hope Aaron has told us all his young receivers about hot routes. <laughs> yeah, and we have Bautieri at seventy four now. We actually okay. downgraded him last week. We okay. we, we went through. So yeah. all right. Yeah. So bottom Played line is, bottom line is those hot reads. You better get rid yeah. of the ball. I mean, uh, otherwise we got to lower Aaron Rodgers six score. <laughs> you already said he wants the the running backs to catch the ball like fifty times each, right? Yeah, Dylan and Aaron Jones. That's so the, maybe he's quick. He already read, knows right? what's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he already knows what's coming. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Sorry to go backwards, yeah. My bad. No, it's all good. Uh, moving on to baseball, Mike Trout's back. Um, a lot of people thought his career was over. <laughs> no, <laughs> he did we, for we, a couple <laughs> hours, yes. Yeah, for a couple <laughs> hours, you know. Like you said, Twitter's Yelp, so it's uh, your instant reaction is what goes out. <laughs> well, you remember the story when it came out. I saw it. I was like, ah, it's not even worth a story. It's so ridiculous. But then everyone jumped on the, I've never seen it before. It's Mike Trout. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you something. People ask me all the time, oh, uh, do you have a good doctor for me to see? What's it about? My heart. Okay. I mean, do you have high blood pressure or do you need open heart surgery or a cardiac cath? It's not the same doctor. Okay. Not a heart doctor. <laughs> I mean, look, uh, if you go to a heart surgeon and it's a cardiothoracic surgeon, that dude don't treat hypertension. I mean, he doesn't see it. I mean, he sees these surgical cases. Right. Just because a spine surgeon says it's unusual, it could be unusual for him to see because that's not a surgical pathology. That's why I was like, I think every team physician has seen that. Uh, And I'm not denigrating the surgeon. He's a good spine surgeon. Mm -hmm. but. Just, I think the words got twisted is all, and then it became this big deal. And we should, it's my bad. I should have better journalistic senses and told you guys about it before and been ahead of the game on it. We didn't um, release your rant recording though. So we just, we made it have. into a proper journalistic article. Uh, you should have like, <laughs> you, should, you should, you should pull it up and release it on this podcast yeah. and say, this is what Doc said before anything. What are you talking yeah. about? This is not, <laughs> this is what we deal with. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, well, if you, if I block it, you can put it on your alternate podcast. There you go. Our <laughs> running wild podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Taylor's boy, Bryce Harper, is close to come back. I was going to say something if you did. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Well, rehab I mean, games who, this weekend and coming. Who said Bryce Harper before Tatis? No, too soon. <laughs> I did, but it was a bias. It wasn't analytically correct. Too soon. Yeah. Too soon. <laughs> Something happened in that race. It was tainted. Yeah. Too soon. I still say Tatis, have your shoulder surgery. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine the public when he comes back after 80 games and his shoulder comes out of socket. <sighs> they're done with him now. You don't, they're oh, going to be way boy. done with him then. I mean, yeah. just, that would be a bad. Yeah, that, I don't think that scenario right there would make me get the shoulder surgery. Just thinking about that. like. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, Bryce Harper yeah. should yes, be yeah. back. Yeah shortly here yeah we said mid mid august when it first happened we said mid august ish i mean he it sounds like he had Absolutely. he had some lingering stiffness in the thumb I did, that delayed it a little bit it wasn't just a stiff it was a stiffness in the elbow too remember he had the ucl right. so they said that it was stiff because he wasn't using it enough so is that is that something that's going to come back when he when he actually does swing let me tell you do not be shocked if bryce harper has tommy john surgery in off season in the off season mm-hmm. here's why it clearly continues to bother him. He's not a field player anymore. DH, yeah. Do the Phillies and does Bryce Harper want to forever be a DH? No, no. Okay. He's a good player in the field. He's a good arm, yes. So if he has the surgery now, he'd play one more season. Think Otani. He'd play one more season of DH, and then he could be in the outfield again. Don't be surprised if that comes. That's a deal for the Phillies. I mean, I know their, their outfield defense isn't the best right now, but he can have a surgery and still serve the year as DH. That's, yes. a, that's a big change in baseball. That that yes. makes him valuable for the next year. Yeah. If if there was no DH, he'd need to go to the American League or he wouldn't have the surgery because he wants to keep hitting. Right. But in six months after uh, on the cloud, you can hit. Just can't throw or at least not throw well. Right. Well, that's a key part, and it's hurt the team because he's a great fielder and the rest of the team is not. So him out has made the defense much worse. They didn't plan for that, so yeah. no one does. But yeah. we got two baseball-related Beast of the Week candidates this week. First one is uh, Orioles outfielder. <laughs> at the, I forget where they're at, but they're playing at the Little League uh, World Series and, and having fun with the kids, and he's sliding down, take, completely blindside, takes a kid out at the bottom of the hill. I mean, I didn't hear the audio. Did he yell at least? Did he? Did somebody? You got to call them all. Yeah. I mean, uh, thankfully, it was actually a good thing the kid wasn't facing him because then the way his knees bent, he didn't hurt him. Right, big guy taking taking the little kid out. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, the guy got a ball, a bat, a jersey. The kid got something. He had to get Uh, something. uh, It was Richie Martin, so he didn't even get taken out taken out by a top guy or anything. Could have been Mount Castle or someone good. I mean, is there like a relief, relief pitcher? I don't even know who. No, oh, yeah. No, 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 here's here's the here's this is Orioles, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. I mean, uh, I mean, I don't even know who's good on the Orioles, but but if this guy's not good, the beast move would be the kid to say, "Oh, your jersey? No, I want that jersey." Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> that would be a, Mullins jersey. Yeah. That would be uh, a beast move. The guy next to your locker. That's what yeah. I want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, get get me a signed jersey of yours or your yeah. teammate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a beast move if yeah. the kid did that. The other beast of the week we got is the Brewers. Uh, I think he's uh, the, the, I don't know, sideline reporter. Sideline reporter, the, yeah. yeah. The, um, going down the slide, and <laughs> the broadcast team is roasting him the whole time. He's, they just play the clip of him going down the slide. He's yelling, holy crap, the whole time. And he absolutely slams into the wall at the bottom. Six broken, six broken ribs. That, that's broken what was reported, ribs. right? Broken yes. ribs. He had yep. the cast on when, yep. with, in the interview after. Six broken ribs. Is that past the sniff test, Doc? Who told him to use the rug? Like that yeah, increased someone, the speed someone should have a lot. Tested that. <laughs> First of all, that wall was padded. Yes, <sighs> he looked Second padded all, as well. It didn't yeah. look like he six broken ribs is a lot. 
Has anyone seen the x-rays? No. Well, we usually don't see the x-rays here, right? Normally. (laughs) Let let me tell you something. I don't know. Let's, let's figure this out. Yeah. What time did he slide down the slide? And when was he there reporting? Yeah, it was a day game. So pregame segment, maybe hour or two between when they talked him on air and he slid down the slide. Okay. Let me tell you something. First of all, Maybe in Milwaukee, maybe they, but you know how hard it is to get to the urgent care in ER and come back in an hour and a half? Do you ever try to do that? Maybe not, not they Milwaukee, figured it out. Maybe they walked them through. Maybe the team docs helped this up. Maybe. But let me tell you something. If you have six broken ribs, the chances are high that you have a pneumothorax. They don't let him come back. So I'm not doubting yet, but... Uh, they added Until a couple I broken ribs in there. The, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, maybe it was one rib cracked in six places. Maybe there were six question marks. Yep, okay, right. he's got this wrist splint on. I'm not going to. But once again, if you broke, if, if the force went on your ribs, how'd you break your wrist? If the, you broke your wrist, how's, uh, I, I don't know. How'd you get both in one shot, right? I, and, and this is not related at all. Actually, uh, I was very proud of him. It's fun to to get the real story. You guys seen that Manti Teo special? Yes, I watched right. the doc, yeah. I watched it last night with the wife, and I liked it. I thought Manti did a good job. I yeah. texted him, so, so oh, and, he, and he said thank you. Oh, that's awesome. It was really interesting to hear side of the story. If you think about the craziness of this, that, the other, yeah. and then imagine you're in college, and holy smokes, like, you know. All of a sudden, you're a national talking point? Yeah. I, I mean, I get it. He's hook, line, and sinker on the catfish and that's unfortunate but but think about this here's a kid from hawaii in the cold whatever he's all about football and studies he doesn't date whatever here's this polynesian girl that he found through some avenue and and it was curated for him he knew that was he was targeted you know i was waiting and and (laughs) and and think about this remember when they showed the picture of of him and the girl with with the date written on the yeah and, and even i was like did he Photoshop that? What? How, how did the guy get that? Mm-hmm. It's pretty freaking creative to call the real person and come up with a line about some, my friends in the hospital and can you like hold up the sign? It would mean a lot to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get it. The suspiciousness of, well, can't you FaceTime? No, I can't. Right. Or the phone. I mean, I get that. But you have to admit, I, when I watched it real time, you saw a picture with the date and the thing proving his. I was like, oh, how do you get that? Yeah. I mean, that's – so obviously – it was interesting, and, and and the other thing about the story is, Manti wasn't the first one that was catfished, right? I mean, he, whatever the guy, well, Lene, whatever, had done that a few times. Yes, yeah, she was to a few other people. She was practicing before going, maybe, right? Yeah, and yep. then it got there. So mm-hmm. I don't know. The, the truth comes out, and I'm glad he's getting his version of truth. I don't think he held back a lot. I mean. Well, that article didn't help either. They even talk about it during the doc. Remember that Deadspin article? Because remember when they wrote that? I remember back in the day, it was Taylor. It kind of sounded like he knew. It was like it was very like defamated towards him, right? So it was glad that this doc kind of cleared it up. Well, it's an interesting thing. And uh, partly for me because the Deadspin guys were very clear saying, we're going after mainstream media for reporting things that aren't true. Right. Yet mainstream media didn't get any flack for it. Nope. <laughs> Even though there were different dates and times and when, before, and after, and there was no corroboration. Yep. Mainstream media got nothing, nothing. out of it. Yep. And if you're a conspiracy theorist, I don't know that I'm a conspiracy theorist, but I'm a humanist. Is it easier to say 
Manti Teo was in on it and fooling us all, or we didn't do our homework and we got catfished ourselves on a story we that wasn't real. I can't believe the second option, right? No way. So <laughs> yeah, you're just right. being no, you're human right. yeah. a little bit, right. human yeah. nature. I'm not saying evil or conspiracy, but human nature, right? Right. And saying, and it's sensationalistic, it's sensationalistic yeah. right? Like and, it's like, and, it's a storyline. In, in journalism, you guys are journalism guys. Two sources? What were the two sources? They just yeah. went with one. Yeah. Manti said it, and now it's true. Never go one. <laughs> well, I Unfortunately, mean, uh, in, in modern-day journalism, it's, oh, well, they so-and-so is covering it, so we got to cover it. And so you don't have time to get the sources, and, yeah, that's the Internet culture of, of aggregated, working online. Aggregate, yeah, you play phone call game. It's, it's it not the best. Up, yeah. No, yeah. no, no, no question. Yeah. No question. But, you know, um, look, we're far from perfect. I got grief this weekend about Zach Wilson and this. And the other. I'm like, whatever. But it's my point continue. is, oh, no. But my point is, we don't delete the tweet. Right. We own it, and we said we were wrong. Did did I miss main media saying we were wrong and we shouldn't report it? No, they, they kind of just went. He tricked us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And you guys watched it when he quote tricked the world. Do you think he was lying? I think initially he was absolutely telling the truth. Yeah, okay. Obviously, somewhere before the national championship game, he went, oof, he had to what do have, I do yeah. now? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> How do I get out of this now? And in his defense, if the University of Notre Dame, who swore birth, whatever the, the AD said, we have all these resources and consultants when you're a university, when they said, let's fact find and sit on our hands and not come clean with this, Right. What do you expect this 21-year-old kid to do? Right. So the bigger anger should not have been a Manti. I think if there was anger for not coming clean, it should have been on Notre Dame because mm-hmm. Notre Dame was aware before the national championship game. Yep. And all their consultants said, let's sit on this. We're not so sure we should do anything. Let's find out the facts. They didn't come out of either. And that's grown men making six and seven figures and with consultants versus a college kid who's 21, the world's going crazy. And, and can you imagine in mind if he really believed, which I think he did, that he had this girlfriend and she died and now she didn't die? Mm-hmm. Like, what is going on? I mean, your head has to be swimming yeah. and not be able to figure it out. But the university, which is removed and got in consultants, they said, sit on your hands. Mm. So... I think that's where more of the wrath should be if people have it. But I'm glad he got his story out. Good, good for him. He's got nothing to be ashamed of. And uh, it's a good doc. It was a good story for I mean, sure. I thought it was. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. The different sides and and if anything, it also explained the the motivation behind the Renaya doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was like, why would someone like go to these lengths? And my I fiance watches it. that catfish show and I always like watch at the end. Cause I'm like, why did they get, why do you get it to that point? You know, like, it's always like, like you said, it's a slow build, right? It's slow. It gets to that. So it's kind of interesting how yeah. that happens. Well, I didn't mean to go off on that. Yeah. No, <laughs> but I change yeah, it. I think fun. my beast of the week might be Manti Teo for coming go. clean. Yeah, uh, I agree. Forget all the other stuff, the other guys yes. and whatever. I think it's Manti Teo. I think that's great that he's like brave enough to just let it hang out. I don't believe it didn't sound like from a documentary he had control of the narrative. No, he I didn't. I mean, it him. was he just, just participated him, yeah. and, yeah. and, and uh, let the chips fall where they may. So mm-hmm. uh, good for him. Yeah, that's all we got. Uh, keep uh, continuing preseason coverage at sixscore.com. We got our preseason injury report on there. Um, you can download it as a PDF, fully searchable with all the players' season six, six scores on there. And it's, uh, it's a living document, so we'll keep it updated as the preseason continues. 
Yep. And so this week, our big college football guests, the next week, our final guest segment before the season starts where we won't have time. Another big name for pro football uh, superstar guest for next week as well. Uh, thanks for listening, watching, and uh, we'll see you on the website and next week. Thanks. <laughs>